ladies and gentlemen. Hello, and thank you for joining us once again for this edition of Pangea Talks CEO Series, Thought Leadership Conversations with some of the world's leading professionals in Family Wealth Matters. Joining us today is the CEO of PiCap, Mr. Stuart Brown. PiCap Venture Partners is a Canadian-based corporate finance and venture capital firm. Stuart CEO is not only an exceptional professional in this space, he's also a dear friend and someone I think uh, our audience needs to get to know because of the significant impact he's creating in the Canadian technology space through his work at PiCap Venture Partners. Stuart, welcome to Pangea Talks. Thanks, Declan. It's great to be here. Stuart, you've uh, had so much success over the years. I mean, you've been a, a sought-after uh, contributor at international conferences on venture cap. You've been quoted in several media environments, uh, Bloomberg TV, Globe and Mail, uh, the Toronto Star, uh, and, and countless others that I, that I can name. I wanted to ask uh, uh, this initial question as we head into our time together for this conversation. Are you still excited by the venture capital space after all these years and all the success you've had? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> this is something that I actually teach my uh, MBA students about is all about venture capital and private equity. And one of the things that makes this career and this industry so fascinating is that you're always on the bleeding edge of uh, technological and economic trends. And there's, in my opinion, there's nothing more exciting than that. In some ways, as you talked about being at the, at the leading edge uh, of, um, of technology, you, you in some ways have insight into the future that most people won't see for years to come until the technology becomes um, uh, widely adopted as, as the venture cap companies uh, transition into uh, more mainstream companies. So I know that you worked on this uh, really remarkable VR uh, technology some time ago where you got some media coverage on it, uh, significant media coverage for it actually. And, and that, uh, that company ended up having some some success and uh, a similar solution was released uh, in the US as well. Uh, as you get a, a moment in your life to reflect on the things you've seen, like the VR technology and others, and my goodness, the VR technology is one of like the dozens you've had uh, access to over the years. Can you share with our audience maybe one or two more uh, other technologies or, or developments in the software environment that you've seen that really astounded you I think we'd love to learn that from you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I'm sure by now we're all familiar with blockchain technology, uh, cryptocurrencies, artificial intelligence. I mean, there's been so much development uh, happening in that space. And um, I always like to promote the city that I'm based in, Toronto. And um, Ethereum, which we now know, the, uh, the cryptocurrency Ether that uh, has come from that platform, is the second most valuable uh, next to Bitcoin. And that's a uh, Canadian success, uh, success story by an entrepreneur named uh, Vitalik Buterin. And he actually allowed for 
uh, the first time uh, since the creation of Bitcoin, um, anyone and everyone to create their own cryptocurrency, which of course led to uh, ICOs, initial coin offerings, security tokens, and now which is uh, receiving a lot of media attention, NFTs, which stands for non-fungible tokens. You know, <laughs> I've, uh, we have, you know, non-fungible tokens, it's, it's, um, it's a curious uh, environment for me. I mean, I've, uh, I'm a t- <laughs> I've been in the Canadian wealth management uh, high net worth space for 25 years of my career. And I'm a, I'm a general uh, equity market, private equity, hard asset uh, type of fellow. And I'm just now getting myself comfortable with Bitcoin and blockchain. And then comes this new thing. Uh, NFTs, and I think to myself, uh, I saw recently Tory Lanez, uh, the artist, uh, who recently launched his, his own NFT, uh, an unfungible token, and uh, and it sold out in a matter of uh, seconds, from what I understand the news headlines uh, to read. Uh, and and we have uh, Ferrari and Lamborghini and all these you know massive brands around the world uh, coming to the NFT table with their offerings. So. At some point in the future, Stuart, I'm definitely going to have to get you back to talk a bit more about NFTs. But as we talk about things that are shifting and changing and so fast-paced in your world, I wanted to, to learn from you and understand um, some of your wisdom because you not only teach at a university level at uh, York uh, uh, University's uh, Schulich School of Business uh, in this subject matter, but you've been working in it for, for some time now. I wanted to get some wisdom uh, drawn from you on what you have seen to be three distinctions between venture capital and angel investing, but not from a textbook perspective, more from your life experience perspective. Okay, Um, great question. So fundamentally the difference between angel investing and venture capital is that Angel investors are investing their own money, money from their savings or from wherever. And venture capitalists are investing money on behalf of others. So we refer to those other uh, investors as limited partners. So that speaks to all of the other differences that you can uh, take from those two different types of investors. Uh, Given the fact that angels are investing their own money, they have the latitude to invest in whatever they want to because it's their money essentially if they want to put money into a early stage tech company uh, and the entrepreneur is agreeable to that then they could facilitate that investment if instead they want to invest in a corner store or a restaurant or a dental clinic uh, they are able to do that as well venture capitalists on the other hand are bound by a fiduciary duty to their limited partners So when they circulate an investment document, uh, like an investor presentation or a prospectus, it clearly states what the investment thesis is, and they have to make sure they invest within that realm. Uh, Typically, venture capitalists, nine times out of 10, will be focused on the tech sector because the tech sector has the highest uh, return potential out of any other asset class. So those are some fundamental differences right there. I appreciate that very much. I wondered um, with the, what I would describe as the, the professionalization of the process through a 
fiduciary responsibility, which is documented. And um, of course, uh, the VC is bound to that mandate that's documented. I wonder if you noticed some differences in psychology between angel investors and how VCs approach the thinking of investing in deploying capital, even specifically in the technology space. What have you learned? Okay, so, yep, um, angel investors, oftentimes they have a variety of reasons why they want to make an investment. Uh, it could be because they are passionate about a particular sector. Uh, maybe they're an impact investor who, want to make, who wants to make a, a difference or an impact in their community, the environment, or uh, some other cause. Um, they might be investing because they want to join a team of uh, scrappy young underdog uh, entrepreneurs and have that excitement of building a company. So there's a lot of psychological reasons at play that might get them interested in investing in early stage companies. And, and it may not always be uh, just for an economical gain only. Whereas the VCs, um, their job is very specific. They need to generate the highest return possible uh, for their investors. So they take, we take a very analytical approach to the investments that we want to make because that's our goal at the end of the day. So the level of due diligence oftentimes with VCs is a lot higher. Um, the uh, capital we invest is usually a lot more than angel investors because we're uh, managing other people's money within a fund. Um, and that speaks to other things as well. It allows us to invest in a little bit later stage companies because um, oftentimes the later the stage of a company's life cycle, the higher the valuation, therefore the more capital that's required to you uh, acquire a certain amount of equity. Thanks for that. That uh, really helps to frame up uh, for me the next um, phase of our conversation. Before we get there, I wanted to share uh, some of the the sentiments you've expressed in um, in previous interviews that you've done. I'd like to quote you from a Toronto Star article. This is going back for some time. This is a Toronto Star article uh, that says that this startup wants to open up high-risk tech investing to individual investors. And the article is referring to your firm, PiCap Venture Partners. This is going back to uh, February 2014, and goodness knows I can barely remember what I did last week. So I don't expect you to remember word for word what, um, what uh, you said in this article, but I'll, I'll read it out now. But I want you to comment on it uh, in this conversation. The Toronto Star article says that um, Stuart Brown realizes that he's trying to do something unconventional that's also risky. You go on in the article to say that I want to make it possible for a dentist in Saskatoon to comfortably invest in the world of startup tech and be a part of the excitement without having the stress of having to do all the research himself like an angel investor. And you said here, you're looking for uh, a very niche investors um, who really are you defined as doctors and lawyers and high income earners with an appetite for risk, but no real interest in the world of independent angel investing. And those are the kinds of investors that you're looking for. Now, I'm aware that uh, you have some 
funds on the PiCap platform that have been successful and they're so successful, you've actually, they're, they're closed, uh, closed funds right now. So you're not looking for additional uh, investors, but uh, you're always open to having conversations and educating uh, investors on the process and what's available out there in terms of opportunities. I wanted you to comment uh, on what you've seen over the past five years or so in your space that uh, that's changed um, uh, in the VC space since you've been here and seen so much over those past five years? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So um, what's actually uh, been a trend within uh, venture investing is to invest a little bit more uh, downstream, meaning that um, uh, given the uncertainty in the economy, especially now with the pandemic and the new normal and no one really being able to identify clearly what that's going to look like, uh, that speaks to a lot of volatility in the markets and a lot of risk. And anytime there's risk in the economy, uh, a lot of investors choose to invest in uh, less risky uh, items. So in the world of venture capital, there has been a trend to invest in a little bit later stage companies. So what that means is that over the last uh, X amount of years, uh, where VCs once had a lot of focus and attention and hype around investing in the next unicorns and having a really early massive exit, now there's a preference more to invest in companies with more established, uh, validated business models that are in the market generating revenue. And um, it's kind of uh, a less risky uh, approach to investing because uh, the, the company uh, has already been proving itself. You sort you use the word uh, unicorn. Unicorns in today's culture, pop culture, are ubiquitous. I see them on t-shirts uh, for kiddos i see them uh, i see grown women wearing unicorn outfits i, I know of unicorn uh, uh toys and uh i even know that there are um uh, unicorns in cereal i think lucky charms has unicorns in their cereal now everywhere people are talking about unicorns but what do you mean by unicorn here in the context of investing in the vc world yeah, it's funny how unicorns become has become so popular. I think my dog has about three unicorn stuffed animal <laughs> toys. It's <laughs> constantly running around with them. Um, yeah, so uh, unicorns. Uh, when we discuss unicorns in terms of uh, venture investing, it's essentially a company that's uh, reached a valuation of one billion dollars or more. So a good example of that, of course, is uh, Shopify. I mean, that company is worth about, uh, last I checked, around $233 billion. And so that became a unicorn uh, a, a while ago, actually. So that's a perfect Canadian example of a company that's reached that status. I'm glad you brought up uh, even a name that our audience can relate to. And um, that's, uh, that's a name that's on our investment uh, portfolio side with our, uh, our, our chief investment officer. He, he made a decision to participate uh, there and, um, and our clients have been quite pleased with, uh, with the decisions that we've made to, to hold on to Shopify. So thanks for raising that as an example. You know, in our conversation thus far, I'm just fascinated with just how much 
is inside of your brain about this VC world. And I know we're just, you know, just at the top of the tip of the iceberg. We're not even, you know, I haven't even gotten into the tip just yet. I wanted to then segue now uh, from our previous conversation to talk a bit more specifically about PiCap. And I'd like to invite you, Stuart, to talk about how you see PiCap leading in the Canadian VC space after all these years. Okay, so things that we've done that has allowed us to become uh, reaching the level of success that we're at is that uh, when we invest in a company, uh, we take a very analytical approach. So we, of course, identify that the main goal of any corporation and any investment in our portfolio is to increase shareholder value as much as possible and then find an exit. So where we could obviously uh, liquidate that investment and then return the funds to our investors. And um, so the way our approach for doing that is to first perform a very robust uh, valuation on the business even before we make an investment. So in doing a valuation, we might be able to identify why is this company uh, worth $5 million when it could be worth $20 million. So it allows us to kind of negotiate with the entrepreneur and find the right uh, deal for both parties to facilitate an investment. But then with that knowledge, we're able to map out a growth trajectory and a blueprint for the company uh, to add value over a given period of time, leading up to an exit at hopefully a 10x uh, return uh, for the fund. So that means we want to sell the company for uh, 10 times the value uh, the company was at when we made that initial investment. And um, yeah, great example of that is a company that I actually co-founded uh, and currently act as the CFO for called uh, Charger Quest. Um, I believe you had the CEO, Chris Mish, on the show uh, recently. We did, indeed. And just, just to, I guess, recap on that, we, uh, we started this company two years ago. It was an idea in a coffee shop. Uh, we're having a couple Cortados, uh, came up with this idea, rather Chris definitely 100% came up with the idea. I was there to support him. And within two years, we were able to grow the company significantly. Um, we raised recently $3.1 million and we have EV charging stations throughout Canada. And we are experiencing a lot of other exciting things that we're, we're very thrilled to share with the public once it's uh, ready. So that's kind of an example of, of PiCap's approach to working with entrepreneurs. We very closely uh, partner up with them and we bring in a lot of resources that sometimes aren't available to other investors. And we use our skills to analyze a company and find out like where's the value gap. And then we fill in those gaps and we make sure that the company is very much focused on doing exactly what a corporation should do, which is increasing shareholder value, but in the most efficient way possible. Because of my investing background and my CFO related background, uh, and just working with uh, early stage companies that oftentimes have limited to no resources on their own when they first get started, it, it's very important to be able to allocate any resource you have into areas within the company to uh, continuously grow it. And sometimes that might not be as obvious as the entrepreneur might think. Sometimes it doesn't pay to go full tilt into research and development or marketing or sales. 
sometimes you have to put that energy and those resources to something else to, to fill in the gaps, to get to the plateau, where then you could start uh, putting other resources into those areas. And that's why it's, it's very important to map out that growth trajectory, identify the different plateaus of growth to grow the business over time, and then identify all the different milestones and the resources required to reach those different plateaus of value creation. Stuart, thanks for sharing that. As, as I think about uh, leadership in my world and um, I'm connected with Trinity Western University's uh, graduate uh, leadership program. And uh, I, uh, I think about it from an academic perspective uh, to some degree, but more so to a practical perspective because I'm a results guy. I like to see things happen. Um, and the reason I, I describe high cap venture partners as leaders in your space is that you've had results. You've seen some impactful um, outcomes with some of the, the, the partnerships you've formed. Uh, you know, you've mentioned charge request and indeed I've uh, had the, the, the honor to chat with uh, Christopher Mish, the CEO of charge request. In addition to charge request, you've done work with um, Beehive, SRX Collect, uh, Remote Buddy, um, one up shop, uh, wait time, coin exchange, uh, green dot group. There's a number of different um, projects and I can continue naming them, but those are just a few that you've worked on. And that's encouraging for me because as you can appreciate, there are a number of different um, VC uh, firms out there. And part of the reason that you and I have remained in very close contact over the years uh, as um, as uh, even as a, an advisor in some ways to Pangea is because you have that demonstrated ability to deliver results. And not only that, you're teaching about it at a university level, which adds a significant element of credibility to the work you do at PiCap. I wanted to um, transition uh, from the concept of PiCap's leading position in the venture cap space um, and go a little bit deeper into the conversation about specific strategic decisions you have made as the CEO of PiCap to elevate to the next level as you continue to add value to the lives of Canadians. You, um, you mentioned in previous conversations that uh, PiCap is now um, a designated organization with the government of Canada's startup visa program. And that's some very, very exciting news. I wondered if you'd like to talk about that for a few moments, because I do have some questions there, but I'd love to invite you to, to open the conversation about that specific strategic decision that you've made as CEO of PICAP. Yes, uh, yep, thank you for asking that. It's definitely something where we are very excited about and I love talking about it as well. So we, we touched on the differences between angel investing and venture capitalists. And a lot of the time, the reason why investors choose to put money into a VC fund is because they know that VCs are living and breathing, uh, accessing deal flow, performing due diligence and helping companies grow. And being a part of this initiative, this startup visa program uh, created by the federal government 
now allows us to access deal flow worldwide. And the reason why it's important for us to be able to access these companies worldwide and facilitate their immigration into Canada and setting up their business in Canada allows us to work closely with the companies uh, within our incubator and be able to get to know them and see if we want to actually uh, invest in them after we have been uh, working with them for six months. So it really opens up our deal flow uh, exponentially. So we could bring in, not just bring in to our fund or our incubator, the best minds, the best innovation worldwide, but we also are bringing in those, uh, that value into the Canadian economy, which is a, the whole uh, raison d'etre for this program put on by the federal government. Indeed, I mean, your, you know, PyCap's incubator provides an unparalleled opportunity for immigrant uh, entrepreneurs to launch their company in Canada and access the entire North American market. And um, what I understand about your process is that uh, each company will receive hands-on support from PyCap's dedicated team of investors, executive leaders, and analysts uh, to provide marketing, technology, financial management, even industry research and business development. And you also have human resources guidance uh, as well as uh, you provide guidance on accessing capital. So it's a real um, a full, a full service offering, if I think I can apply that term to what it is you're doing here with PyCap's uh, startup visa incubator. I know with the program at the government level, there are different categories of registered or designated uh, organizations. There are venture capital funds, angel investor groups, uh, business incubators of which uh, PICAP is, and those are the three primary areas of um, designated organizations. You have a pipeline of opportunities, uh, and I know that uh, we've talked about it at a high level. Can you help me understand, um, as uh, you know, through the lens of uh, uh, Pangea clients looking at this, we have access to uh, clients with um, uh, uh, foreign designated uh, entities, and even uh, uh, folks who who are in different parts of the world, like throughout the U.S. and throughout the Caribbean, and so on, um, and into different parts of Europe. As these people listen to you talk about the specific PICAP startup visa incubator program. Um, uh, as a designated business incubator for Canada's startup visa program, what message would you like to share with them? Okay, so in regards to the designated entity um, of PICAP and being involved with the startup visa program, um, I guess the message that I would like to share with them is that this is a it, such an unbelievable uh, opportunity for um for the canadian economy like our economy for the last 150 years has been very much uh, centered around natural resources and the federal government has looked at that and identified of course that natural resources have a finite life cycle there's only so much oil you can pull out of the tar sands in alberta there's only so many trees you could cut down in bc Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. There's only so much gold you could pull out of them hills in uh, Nunavut. Um, 
But, uh, but the reality of the situation is like a lot of uh, natural resources, there, there is an end to how much you could take from uh, those, uh, those areas. Uh, small businesses, technology, technological innovation, uh, those are seen as having limitless potential. So if you're a government and you're thinking, I want to uh, create longevity for my economy and my population, I'm going to put uh, support behind the areas that can grow the fastest, can uh, increase our GDP the fastest, and which can create jobs the fastest as well. And, um, and so uh, not many people know this, but 70% of the jobs in Canada are from small businesses and they make up 40% of the GDP. So that's significant. Um, the ability to bring in uh, people from all over the world uh, into this massive country with a relatively small population uh, allows for us to create innovation and success stories where otherwise they would be happening in different countries. Uh, we talked about Shopify. That's the biggest company in Canada right now. It was a tech startup that started in, I believe, uh, 2006. And now it blew past any company in the natural resources sector, the healthcare sector, the financial services sector. And now it's the most valuable company in our country. So if you think about the GDP impact it's had, as well as uh, job creation, it's, uh, it's, it's extremely impressive. One thing that people don't know, a lot of people don't know or haven't really recognized is the CEO of Shopify and the founder, Toby Lutke, he's actually an immigrant entrepreneur. So that's a, a perfect example of uh, the, the potential that our country has in terms of bringing in great talent. And um, there's countless other opportunities. We talked about Ethereum. Uh, Vitalik Buterin is also an immigrant entrepreneur. Ethereum is now worth in the billions. Uh, and it's, as mentioned, the most innovative thing to happen to blockchain and cryptocurrency. Uh, he started that company in Toronto, so another Canadian and Toronto success story. Uh, Wattpad, which was recently uh, acquired for $740 million. You know, consider the jobs uh, created from that, the innovation uh, that was created by someone named Alan Lau, who also is an immigrant entrepreneur. And the list goes on and on in terms of uh, successful immigrants coming into our country and creating amazing technology, amazing opportunities. And we have the privilege of calling them a Canadian success story. And that's why I'm so happy to, to be a part of this, uh, this amazing initiative put on by the government and play our role as a designated entity. Such palpable passion and excitement in your response. I can feel the energy really in how you've chosen to respond to, to that question. So thank you for that. Um, I can feel that you're still inspired by what it is you do and still, you're still energized by it. I'd like to look to a Globe and Mail article that you were quoted in um, just uh, recently about uh, startups, about uh, technology in Canada. You said in that article, um, all, and this is in the context of uh, the pandemic, so that's how recent this article is, 
Uh, you said, although many companies are spending less due to the economic uncertainty caused by the pandemic, there are more opportunities for Canadian software businesses at home and abroad, given the global shift towards doing business online. You've named a few just uh, recently in this, uh, in your previous response. You go on to say that uh, they don't have any borders, which means that anyone can access them for the most part. And you make an interesting statement here. When I say interesting, it's actually encouraging to the sector. You say what good entrepreneurs should be doing is going into the market and finding problems and creating solutions, both now during the pandemic and in general economic times. And I hear you talking about that consistently, looking for opportunities that will improve our world, uh, improve the lives of Canadians and, and not just in Canada. I mean, you, you've, you're participating on projects and will have global impact. And this is why I find the startup visa program uh, at PICAP so fascinating is that we continue to nurture uh, Canadian companies, Canadian talent that will have global impact. And that to me is uh, something that is very, very exciting because as you can appreciate, it aligns quite well with the, the global uh, perspective at the Pangea leadership table. Uh, Stuart, as we think about uh, the next 10 years, I know it's a long period, but as a strategic leader, I know you hold an MBA from Schulich. Um, uh, you've led uh, your, your corporation for a number of years now. You are sought after to serve on different uh, boards and advisory committees. So I'm going to be drawing from the strategic leadership area of your brain and ask a question in a 10-year time frame. How do you see the startup visa program impacting our country over the coming 10 years? Uh, yeah, very interesting question. Um, uh, of course, all of us who are involved in the Startup Visa program who see the potential, firstly, have to hope that uh, the Startup Visa program lasts that long um, because, you know, governments change, priorities change, things happen. Um, but I, uh, I feel strongly that um, those of us who are focused on exactly those things that I mentioned, bringing the best talent, bringing the best ideas, bringing the best opportunities into this country, uh, there's going to be enough success stories like the next Shopify, the next Ethereum, the best, the next Wattpad uh, that are going to uh, bring the focus of uh, the startup visa outside this uh, small ecosystem of this immigration slash venture capital world. And it's going to be something that is more broadly known and accepted and supported. And, um, and of course, uh, early stage companies, you might hear of some overnight success stories, but for the most part, it takes a number of years to get those companies up and running, to build the foundation, to get them integrated into the Canadian economy. So over the next 10 years, we're gonna bear the fruits of our labor in terms of uh, creating those opportunities. And I'm hoping and expecting if uh, history uh, dictates accordingly, that uh, we're gonna see more and more success stories that are gonna be attributed to specifically this program. And uh, Declan, you talked about uh, that article that I was quoted in, entrepreneurs and their job in terms of 
looking out into the market, identifying a problem, and then creating a solution for the, those problems. I and mean, that's one of the things that really makes me passionate about this space. Uh, and that's relate, very much related to a common saying that has come out of Silicon Valley and something we as venture capitalists look for when we're going to make an investment. Has this entrepreneur, has this company found problem solution fit? Sometimes entrepreneurs, they'll create a, a solution for a problem that doesn't exist. So the best entrepreneurs are the ones that don't necessarily fall in love with their business idea or their company per se. They fall in love with the problem. Like we talked about uh, Charger Quest and Chris Mish. One of the things that uh, made me so attracted to working with him is that he is so unbelievably passionate about solving the problem of uh, vehicles uh, creating pollution. I was driving in a Tesla the other day and um, I'm looking around and I see all these other vehicles that are, are gas powered. And I'm thinking this, it, this really shouldn't be the case. Everybody by now should be driving electric vehicles. And I'm really happy that the whole uh, market is heading in that direction. And then I thought to myself, you know, I'm just kind of zoning out while I'm driving. And then I thought, okay, well, why is that not the case right now? And it's because a lot of people have range anxiety. They, the, 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 when they're trying to decide between gas powered versus EV, they're thinking, am I gonna have enough electric vehicle charging stations out there to get me uh, from A to B? And then I just went full circle. Well, that's exactly what ChargerQuest is looking to do. That's the problem ChargerQuest is looking to solve is putting out there as many electric vehicle charging stations as possible to help consumers uh, decide to buy electric vehicles. So I'm just using that as one example the power of startups and entrepreneurship and early stage technology and innovation overall holistically really is to have the ability to raise the standard of living of everyone on the planet. We talked about how there's uh, no borders when it comes to software. So, and we also talked about how um, an important element from the uh, federal government's perspective uh, with the startup visa program is to increase gross domestic product. So as we all know, that is related to how many uh, products are being exported from a country. So when we have innovation being created in Canada that is, has the ability to be facilitated and exported to different countries and we're bringing in more money into this country, the innovation is raising the standard of living for Canadians, but also uh, the companies that they're selling into as well. As you talk about benefits for Canadians, indeed, uh, we benefit from the innovation. And as a person that's, uh, that's thrived in the, the ultra high net worth Canadian wealth management space uh, for the past two and a half decades, uh, I also see significant amounts of wealth being created uh, as another uh, function of what you do at PiCap. Let's not um, let's not uh, uh, avoid, and I won't avoid it because it's what I do for a living. Um, you know, we have uh, we have terms like 10x, 100x, meaning a hundred times the value or ten times the value of a company from when it first started to when it is in current state. 
Um, you talked about unicorns, uh, billion-dollar companies, and billion-dollar market cap valuations. Uh, as we continue to grow those environments here in Canada, um, you know, the the population also benefits from that increase in Canadian company wealth because those companies create jobs uh, to support uh, Canadians. Those companies uh, attract investment capital from abroad. Those companies um, create uh, an, an improved uh, global perspective of Canada as a country, as a destination for capital. There's, um, there's so many uh, important benefits I see and what I appreciate most uh, about what you're doing at PiCap Venture Partners is that you've you've professionalized and created a a, a institutional level process with rigor, and I appreciate that level of um, of due diligence framework to keep the structure solid, because I think if we're going to build upon a foundation, it needs to be a strong, solid one. And I think you know what you're doing at PiCap creates a strong, solid foundation for the program and the country as we, uh, as we continue to look out across the next 10 years. I wanted to ask this question of you, Stuart. What do Canadians need to know about investing in VCs and how can PICAP help? Okay, so one of the main, the, probably the first and foremost main thing that investors need to understand if they're considering investing into a venture capital fund or a venture capital related opportunity is that this is an extremely risky investment. Uh, In fact, it's considered to be one of the most risky type of investments that you can make. Um, But as we know, those of us who studied finance and are in the investment world, what you want to do is if you take a large amount of risk, firstly, you want to mitigate that as much as possible, but you also want to get access to uh, a return potential to uh, compensate you for that high level of risk. And so if you can afford to make an investment into something risky, like a venture capital fund, uh, make sure that you're investing with individuals who have a uh, positive track record of making these types of investments in the past, uh, a good mix of expertise among the team, uh, serial entrepreneurs, uh, investors, and uh, people who really understand the industry or the investment thesis of which they're going to be investing into. Um, and in terms of how PICAP uh, addresses all of those elements is uh, we have an amazing team. We have an investment committee of uh, serial entrepreneurs and successful investors with exits that range from the tens of millions to the hundreds of millions. And an individual actually had an exit of over a billion. And um, we uh, all work very closely together. And um, uh, and in the world of venture capital, uh, as discussed, uh, the main role, so our main job is to access deal flow, number one, that isn't necessarily readily apparent or available uh, to the general public. So it's finding those deals. And then of course, uh, we take it a step further and perform like a very rigorous deep dive in terms of due diligence. So we get to know the company, the entrepreneur inside and out, but then we get to know 
uh, the industry and the trends and everything else we would need to know in order to make an, an intelligent uh, decision on if we want to actually enter into a deal. Uh, the next phase of the process is to negotiate that deal. What is the right valuation to be investing in? How much equity should, be, should we be receiving given the amount of capital the company needs to commercialize their product or take their business to the next level? And then the, uh, the, the step after that, when a, an investment has been made and we've, we've struck a fair deal in terms of uh, the valuation of the business and other terms and conditions outlined in our legal documents, then we, our job becomes um, working with the entrepreneurs to grow the company in the most efficient way possible. So our limited partners can get the highest return and then uh, seek and facilitate an exit opportunity for each company within our portfolio as well. So that could be in the form of a strategic acquisition, uh, vertical or horizontal, as well as uh, an initial public offering or some other form of exit, like a reverse takeover or an investment acquisition by another fund. It seems like uh, there's more involved here on the VC side uh, for an analytics and a due diligence process as you, as you articulated your risk management framework. There seems to be some distinctions uh, between what it is you do and uh, you know CFA evaluating a company on a publicly traded exchange, um, and that actually speaks to the level of um, the level of professionalism that goes into the process and why there's value in aligning with uh, PICAP. Is there is there more that you feel like? Um, Canadians should know about uh, specific sectors within the VC space uh, in the coming three years that they should keep an eye on? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that uh, people should be aware of and, and considering. And um, uh, one of the things that uh, they that has been a growing trend among the limited partners who are investing in funds as well as the funds themselves is identifying uh, certain causes that they're going to champion. So uh, I know impact investing uh, is very important to you, Declan and, wow. uh, and Pangea as well, uh, which I, which I think is great. And, um, and so investors who want to generate a return, uh, don't have to sacrifice their ethics or their interest in making an impact in the world. And that's one of the amazing things about entrepreneurship. As mentioned, I mean, these individuals and teams of people look out to solve the world's problems. So if you have a, an interest or you're passionate about a certain problem that's out there that you want to have solved, with, whether it's uh, providing financial access to the unbankable or improving uh, the healthcare standards of uh, communities in uh, uh, the uh, native reserves or whatever the case may be, uh, oftentimes you could find uh, a, a means to support those problems while generating a return through the venture capital industry. 
Thank you so much for sharing that. That, uh, that actually is uh, definitely in line with our thinking. And I'm glad you, you shared that because I think that distinction sometimes gets lost in the excitement of 10x, 100x uh, potential returns, sometimes gets lost in the conversation around software technology, but there is an element of impact investing even in the VC space. And I wanted uh, to make sure that our audience was aware of that. And of course, you maintain a leadership position there and can definitely help provide some guidance. Stuart, I'd like to, uh, to look to wrap up this call and um, of course, position us for another call into the future as your time permits, goodness knows you're exceedingly busy and in high demand. Um, so I am honored to have spent this time with you today and I look likely to the future to talk about uh, NFTs, if that's something that uh, we, we can carve out some more time in the future to do. I'd like to close with saying that uh, PiCap Venture Partners, uh, your team consists of serial entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, industry leaders in technology, um, and some of your members uh, and strategic partners and affiliates um, have helped with hundreds of millions of dollars, as well as even leading numerous uh, projects across various industries throughout Canada, Europe, Latin America, the US, and even in Asia. I know that you've even traveled uh, out uh, to Dubai. I think at one point you were, you were speaking on uh, the venture cap space in Dubai and attracting capital and an interest from there. For that, I want to thank you for bringing capital and the awareness of potential of investing in Canada through um, the programs that you offer, even to international investors. I know that um, you are involved with a number of uh, organizations within Ontario uh, to, um, to definitely contribute back to this space. In the context of uh, where we're heading next, you, um, you continue to amaze me. I know you continue to amaze your students um, and uh, you've attracted the attention of, of course, York University, University of Toronto, uh, even the Charter Professional Accountants of Ontario. And all this, I think, speaks to the credibility of the exceptional work you're doing at PICAP. So thank you very much to you and your team for all the incredible contributions you're making to improve the lives of Canadians. Thank you, Stuart, for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Declan. It was a great interview and I appreciate it and look forward to speaking with you again soon.